Hi, and welcome to the Muslim Sex Podcast. This is Dr. Sadaf Lodi, and I would love for you to leave me a review of this podcast and also to share and like it and share it with your friends, see what they think and let me know. I would love to shout you out on social media. And also, I would love for you to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Sadaf OBGYN, as well as TikTok. I also have started a YouTube channel at Dr. Sadaf Intimacy Coach. I'd love for you to follow me on all of those channels. And most importantly, I'd love for you to become a patient. I am now accepting telehealth patients for sexual health as well as menopause health in New York and Michigan. So if you are a woman that is looking for a doctor that understands you and can actually take the time to listen to all of your concerns, reach out to me. Reach out at drsadaf at drsadaf.com. And I would love to see you as a patient. And now for the episode. I am an American board certified OBGYN, a mom, a Muslim, and I'm talking about sex. This is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Welcome to the Muslim Sex Podcast. I'm your host, uh, Dr. Sadaf Lodi. I had to think about that for a second. <laughs> and this episode is everything you want to know about being intentional and mindful and the socialization of women and how we can incorporate that into our lives and how we change the narrative. And so before we get into the episode today, uh, I just want to make a few things very clear. I'm not giving any type of medical advice. If you have any medical issues, please speak with your healthcare provider. And if you have any religious issues, please speak with your friendly local neighborhood religious leader. This is the Muslim Sex Podcast because I just happen to be a Muslim woman that talks about sex. So I'm super excited to have on with me, Dr. Megan Mello. Welcome, welcome, Dr. Mello. Yeah, and um, please introduce yourself to the viewers and listeners out there. Yeah, so I'm a family and obesity medicine physician located in Seattle, Washington. And I also work as a life coach for physicians, primarily women physicians, really talking about the intersection of perfectionism, people pleasing, lack of boundaries and burnout. Mm -hmm. um, I often talk with people that, you know, the systems that we work with work in, in healthcare are quite broken, but we've also often been conditioned to really think about our roles in particular ways and what we owe other people in such a way that we are always overworking, you know, feeling undervalued. And, and so I'm excited to really sort of talk through that today and sort of yeah. break through some of these things that we're struggling with. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. So I'd love for us to get started. You know, I think that um, you're so right when it comes to like what our expectations are for ourselves and within even the medical community, but even for people that are not in medicine, right? Um, I think that we put a lot of pressure as women on ourselves to be perfect at everything. And I think that that can really wreak havoc in our relationships, whether it's with our uh, friends, but also with our spouses and partners and even our children, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. I, a few years ago, heard for the first time, someone talk that burnout can happen in really any setting where there's kind of no defined start and stop. 
Mm. And, you know, so that's our careers in medicine, but it's also our parenting journeys, our, you know, it can be our relationships, it can be, you know, kind of household responsibilities, um, you know, or other, other sorts of roles that we have where it's not a discrete project. Yeah. And hearing that just, just really kind of widened my lens, if you will, of kind of where all the places burnout sort of shows up, because we do tend to think of it as a workplace thing, but mm-hmm. you know, how many of us who are, you know, moms and helping to take care of households are feeling overwhelmed and burned out in those roles, let alone anything else that might be going on in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's funny that you should mention that burnout can happen in any situation where there's no definite end. And I feel that, and I don't know if you feel like this, but as even an entrepreneur, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's no beginning. There is no end. It's just we never arrive and then we're done. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I just feel like it's, you know, and you're working so hard, you're trying, you're trying. And so anyways, um, I totally get that and agree with you a hundred percent. So what do you think are ways that we can mitigate that? And how do you think it shows up? Yeah. Well, you know, for, for so many of the people that I work with, and of course, you know, the lived experience of myself and my friends, right. We find ourselves sort of racing against this endless to-do list, right? There's always all these tasks on the list that we know about that, you know, no, no one person could ever do often. And then of course the disruptions that happen, right? We have the kid who, um, you know, suddenly needs that particular shirt and it's in the laundry and is, you know, yelling at you about that or some, you know, some sort of silly domestic squabble, if we will. Um, So we're racing against this endless to-do list. And in our brain, it's very fixed that we are responsible for this. And, And often we are developing some resentment over time, you know, feeling like other people should help. And that, again, can be at work and it can be at home, like, why am I doing all of these things? But that resentment is often simmering below the surface. Sometimes it might erupt out, right? Um, but, you know, if, if mom's always cranky or, you know, if, if, if the woman is always cranky at work or in relationship, right, we often get a lot more um, sort of censure for, for being that way uh, because of the socialization as women, right? We're supposed to be nice. We're supposed to be kind and friendly. We're supposed to care about everyone else before ourselves. So if we continue in that way, then we are never on our own list of priorities, right? We aren't taking good care of ourselves because there are always so many things to do. So I really help primarily women physicians to really see that they'll never get that full list done. They were never meant to do that all on their own. And they've got to put themselves as a priority somewhere on that Mm. list. And treat themselves as, you know, really one of their most important assets, right? If they take care of themselves, then they're much better able to do the really important things in their lives. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, and I think it's so great that you mentioned that one, not putting ourselves on the list, (laughs) right? That's so common. Maybe at the bottom. (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. Because we are always, always thinking about others and other people's needs and wants and never really about ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then also, you know, I can see how that would spill over into our intimate relationships, right? Mm -hmm. And physical intimacy. And of course, 
if we have so many other things going on, that physical intimacy is going to be again at the bottom, if even on the list, right? right. Because yeah. that can be like something that maybe, you know, isn't, um, you might think that is not needed. And so you just put it on the back burner and then that relationship starts to fade. And, yeah. and I think that, um, I was reading uh, a while ago when I was in this course on sexual counseling and education that, you know, the uneven distribution of household chores mm -hmm. definitely decreases interest in women, right? And because oftentimes yeah. we're seen as the nurturers, as the caretakers. And so, you know, we just have so much work on our and so many things on our plate that we definitely do not put, you know, physical intimacy on that list. Right. And it just, it never makes that list. <laughs> yeah. So it's a very low priority for us often. Yes. And there's often these feelings of frustration or resentment, you know, yes. that again, kind of simmering below the surface yes. of, well, if you're not helping me with these things, why on earth, you know, would I want to be intimate with you? Yes. Absolutely. Um, you know, and so that's often, you know, sort of going on underneath as well. And sometimes, of course, there's also layers of guilt, like, oh, I shouldn't feel this way. It's wrong for me to feel this way. So there can be a lot to unpack there. Yeah. But until we are seeing ourselves and treating ourselves as being valuable, we aren't going to resolve this puzzle, right? Yes, of course, you can sort of force yourself to be intimate, but who wants to do that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. We really want to feel balanced. We want to feel valued by ourselves and our partners and you know others in our households and in our workplaces. But we won't feel valued by others if we don't value ourselves. Right. They're so intrinsically linked. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I agree with you 100 percent. You know, I also think that, you know, when you talk about that feeling of resentment that comes up a lot in relationships and mm -hmm especially like physical, you know, when you want to have sex with your partner and things like that. And um, just what you were saying that if there is that uneven distribution of household chores, it's not going to make the list. And you're just not going to have the bandwidth for anything else besides everything else that you have on the list. And also that you'll never fully arrive at a point where you'll want to be physically intimate unless you make it a priority and prioritize that relationship, right? And and unless you take off some of those things on your list. And like you said, start prioritizing your own self, you know, showing yourself compassion and kindness. Yeah. Um, it's never going to work. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, again, don't remember where I read that. We read too much, I think. No, we don't read too much, but <laughs> we read a lot. It's hard to remember where things come from. That for people socialized as women, you know, we often need to feel emotional intimacy before, yes. you know, we are looking for physical intimacy. Yes. And for people socialized as men, it may be the other way around, right? That physical intimacy wants to come first, and then there can be more of emotional intimacy and vulnerability that's there. And so, you know, there can be this mismatch and, you know, we need to find ways to be able to communicate and sort of come, you know, come through that uh, to have successful relationships. Uh, but there could be a lot underlying all of this, right? And as simple as it sounds, yes, equal participation in the work at home, including household chores, you know, raising children, taking care of pets or, you know, elders in the family, 
all of these things are really important and we need to talk about them more. Yeah. Hundred percent. You know, um, when you talk about physical intimacy and that emotional intimacy, actually, I think that, uh, and you know, how men and women kind of uh, see that differently, and it may play out differently for you know both of the the genders there. Mm-hmm. Um, that actually is in. Uh, there's Emily Nagoski's book, "Come as You Are." You she meant. <laughs> she meant. That. And also um, there is, so there's the female sexual response cycle and Rosemary Basson in 2001 as actually the one that came, she put emotional intimacy in mm. her female sexual response and how women, you know, desire that. And there's so many ways that we can create that emotional intimacy, whether it's, you know, just even holding hands or doing things together, Mm -hmm. uh, even cooking a meal. It could be any of those things. It could be watching TV together, but actually, you know, sitting next to each other and not on opposite ends of the couch. Right. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Right. Not really being present in really anything. Um, And so I think that starts with making intimacy and your connection with your partner as a priority, but also being intentional about it. And I'm sure that that probably spills over into other aspects of our lives as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, how many, how many of our difficult interactions and relationships, you know, could really boil down to communication and intentionality? Yeah. But we often don't think of things that way, right? We sort of are just, we're just living in our busy heads and making a lot of assumptions about other people and their intentions that, you know, we have, we have some agency to sit down and think, is it really helpful for me to think this way? Um, You know, not that we want to let people take advantage of us, but if we are part of the people that are undervaluing ourselves then again, no amount of external validation is going to overcome that. Like we really have to treat ourselves as valuable and that yes. that includes putting ourselves on the list. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, it comes with putting ourselves probably number one, right? Because if we don't take care of ourselves, we definitely can't take care of others. And if we don't prioritize our own mental health and our own physical health, then again, we can't help others and we can't take care of them or or be there for them when they need us, right? And right. be present right. for them. So, so I'm curious um, how you know, so these women come to you and they're feeling overwhelmed, they're feeling burned out at, at work or at home or wherever. Um, you know, what is like maybe some ways that you help them to kind of overcome that and move forward in their lives? Yeah, yeah. But it starts, at, of course, a different place for every person. But, you know, really trying to understand, we often will start with describing a tough day. And mm-hmm. People will sort of tell me all the things that have happened, right? Kind of, uh, well, this and this, and then this person said this thing. And then I start asking them, what did you actually feel? Like if you had to name the emotion there, what was it? And as we get into that, right, then we can start to uncover sort of what are these thoughts, often subconscious thoughts that are sort of attached to that emotion, right? Mm -hmm. We might, um, you know, get a comment from somebody and we have an emotion in response, right? We feel angry or we feel resentful or undervalued. Why do we feel that way? It's often because the way that we're hearing those comments, you know, we're making it mean that well, that person doesn't value me because otherwise they wouldn't talk to me that way. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, of course, yeah, sometimes people are being rude. Sometimes people are not treating us with kindness, but some of the time we are just, we're taking it to the excess, right? We are, we're over analyzing someone's comment, um, you know, or we aren't used to letting people know, you know, it's not okay to treat me that way. Right. You know, or did you really mean to say that you're not interested in this or are you blowing me off? Well, you know, whatever, whatever that could be. But when we start to really understand the thoughts and feelings that are associated with how we're interpreting the world, we have an opportunity to start really changing it. Right. If, if we want to, right. If we're always feeling that people are out to get us, um, which is pretty common in burnout, we might, we might have the sense that everyone's trying to make our lives harder. If we step back and we really think about it, is that really true? Or are these just humans who know that we are such kind-hearted people that we're often the helpful, we're often there to help them. And they're not trying to ruin our lives, but until we start practicing saying no, they're going to remain in their dependent state because they just see us as somebody who helps them get their needs met. Right, right. And so what I hear you saying is, you know, it's important to set boundaries with people Mm -hmm. and whether that is in at work or maybe at home. And and just like you said, you know, having that open, honest, clear communication, because when we don't have that, that leads to a lot of assumptions being made and also a lot of misunderstandings when people really don't know what it is that you want. Yeah, Yeah. And I'll, I'll give a, an example here that a lot of the women physicians that I work with are moms and they'll find themselves doing a lot of household chores for their kids. And mm-hmm. sometimes when we sort of drill into why they'll say something like, well, I really want to feel connected to my kids or, you know, I really want to, I don't get as much time with them as some other moms. And, you know, I really want to show them that I love them, but there's an opportunity there to pause and say, okay, is, is, always doing their laundry for them or, you know, always getting them a glass of water when they're watching TV. Is that really love and connection or, you know, do we want to rethink that and choose to spend quality time with them in some way rather Mm -hmm. than feeling like we just need to serve their needs, right? There's a, there's an important difference there. And until we sort of step back and realize how much extra work we're doing, thinking that we're creating this valuable love and connection. Um, you know, we don't have an opportunity to make a change, right? Cause we'll interpret, well, I have to go get them water. Otherwise, you know, they don't know that I love them, <laughs> which is not right. really. The case. Right. Right. So, you know, is it that <clears throat> you are their maid? <laughs> right. <laughs> is that what we want? Do we want to show them that mom does all the things for all the people? Right. Or right. do we want to show them that mom takes care of herself? And she loves me and she spends quality time with me, but she doesn't do all the things. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, I had a lot of mom guilt uh, recently because I wasn't cooking Mm. at home. (laughs) You know, instead I was, um, I have somebody that cooks Pakistani food. So I would ask her to make food for us at home. And, and then, you know, I had a lot of guilt around that because I was like, oh, I should really be cooking, you know, Mm. blah, blah. My mom always cooked for me and, you know. 
And then I remember asking one of my boys and I said, you know, do you think that like I'm a bad mom because I'm not cooking for you? <laughs> and he just looked at me very quizzical and he said, no, I think that <laughs> you are very busy and you, you know, are an OBGYN, you're practice, blah, blah. And, you know, you just don't have the time. And when I do have the time, I do cook, but you know, I just, um, so it's funny. We, we carry a lot of that mom guilt, right. That we really feel like we need to be doing everything and being everything to everyone. And, um, yeah, that really yeah. leads to burnout. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've read that, you know, parents of our generation, you know, the way that we sort of feel responsible for parenting and home responsibilities is, different and in some ways more intensive than the generation of moms before us, you know, whether or not they worked, right? There's a lot more pressure for us to at least think, you know, that we need to keep our kids entertained, you know, that we need to make sure that they always have their clean soccer jersey and, uh, you know, the house always needs to be, you know, magazine photo shoot ready. And a lot of these pressures that really just, they're not possible to do. Right. And so we scramble around thinking we've got all these things we have to do and we don't hire help. We don't ask others to help around the house. Um, we just struggle under this, you know, impossible load of things. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. And I think that really it's, a, it's understanding your own needs and being compassionate and loving yourself and knowing that it's okay. Right. And giving our permission, ourselves permission not to be perfect. Yeah. And knowing that we are doing our best um, and just accepting who we are, where we are at the moment that we are. And and it's OK. And and I think what really helps uh, some women and I know it helps me is that knowing that I'm exactly where I need to be. Like I am where I where yeah. I was meant to be at this moment in time. And, uh, you know, I'm not because I think what happens is sometimes we'll start comparing ourselves to other people, you know, right. that they're further along in their life's journey. And, you know, we're behind because of whatever reason. And it's understanding and realizing that letting all that go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and not comparing 100% yourself. agree. Like we all have our own little combination of factors that have, you know, shaped us and ended us up here in this spot. And yeah, we could compare ourselves and feel behind to everybody else. Although that doesn't actually help us, right? It doesn't, it doesn't inspire us. It just puts more pressure or we can choose to see, you know, for right now in my life, like this is where I am. There are places that I want to be. And there's other things over here that are not so important that I'm going to start to let go or ask for help in. Yeah. But you know, choosing like, what is actually important to me? Yes, yes. And I think, um, you know, you and I are both part of a, a coaching program and are the, the business coach that we have. Um, she talks about spending quality, meaningful time with, with kids. kids. Yeah, me right? too. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So it's not necessarily picking up after them or cleaning their swim shorts or whatever, doing the laundry or folding laundry, but it's about actually spending time with them, right? Like I know my favorite time is when uh, we all sit down to dinner together and are talking about our days or when we go on a hike together because it's something that we're all doing and it's fun and they enjoy it and I enjoy it or just being outside or, or doing something together. Yeah. And that really is what, you know, I think makes things better and helps burn out a lot. Yeah, absolutely. 
those are times, right, when connections are happening. And, you know, yes, them having, you know, clean clothes, you know, like them having everything done for them doesn't make them feel more connected to me. And it doesn't make me feel more connected to them. Right. Right. It, it, it keeps me honestly from connecting with my kids. I notice that when I'm, you know, scuffling around the house doing, you know, little busy chores, I'm not spending time with my kids. Yeah. Right. And so what do I actually want? I would rather that things be a little messy and, you know, that my kids remember that the fun times that we had together than trying to think, well, gosh, you know, I, I could keep myself busy doing these things and I'll, I'll put them aside later too. Right. Um, just like we're leaving ourselves off the list, right. We might be leaving that quality time off the list. Um, most of us don't want that. Not really. Yeah, right. And, you know, I think that goes back to that emotional intimacy, right? So are we creating that emotional intimacy with our children? You know, and same thing, are we creating that emotional intimacy with our spouses? And what are we doing? What can we do? And, you know, oftentimes I mention this is that we can do lots of things that are not expensive. They don't require a lot of planning. It just requires being intentional and making the time. We all have 24 hours. That's the limiting factor, right? And so then how are we using that time? And does it mean a lot? And then for that, you know, I think that once we specifically with your spouse and with your significant other is that when we have that emotional intimacy that then will lead to physical intimacy, but it's mm-hmm. about being intentional and mindful. And, uh, and I think that that really makes a difference. What do you think? Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I think, you know, and again, when we're sort of living in our own priorities and not in what we think others expect of us, then we are able to, be vulnerable and connected with our partners and our families, you know, then we will leave space really to feel desire for more physical intimacy as well. Um, You know, when we are so exhausted and overwhelmed and feeling like we're never sort of meeting everyone else's needs, let alone ours, physical intimacy and desire are such low priorities. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. Absolutely. Right. Because we're not taking care of ourselves first. And, um, you know, I had mentioned this before in one of my other podcasts, but, you know, they had done a a study on this where they um, had grouped a, a some women and had done like a six month study and then a nine month study. Mm-hmm. And then they had put them in a coaching program where they, you know, had them be more mindful. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they showed in the study that when women were more mindful in their lives and, you know, able to be more intentional, that that actually increased their desire and their libido. So that makes sense, right? That if we are really present when we are with our partner, and if that's what we're seeking, then that's, what we'll find because we are just focused on them and um, you know, what the moment looks like and what we're doing and not so much like spectating about ourselves, our body image, you know, Oh, I'm too fat. I'm this and that. Instead, you just focus on what you're doing at that time. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll tell you, you know, especially in my work as a physician, um, taking care of ourselves is often the last thing that people want to do. Um, I think we have a lot of barriers around that. You know, you and I have both seen women come into the office and they might be feeling really tired. They might be having, you know, trouble sleeping. They might be having a lot of anxiety. And, you know, if we sit them down and really ask them to kind of look at their lives, 
where they're always on their phone, they're staying up late, you know, they're, they're kind of doing all of this extra work. We're never going to get them to feel better so long as we are not addressing how are they actually living their lives? Like, how are they actually present in their lives? You know, yes, I can run the thyroid test and the iron test. And yes, we can do this and do that. Right. But so much of the distress that we feel as humans has to do with the busyness and the overwork and the lack of presence in our own lives, the lack of taking care of ourselves and making sure that we are, you know, setting some boundaries, right? Especially in today's culture, right? Where we can work 24 hours a day. We don't have to be, you know, physically in the office. We might be getting emails from people, you know, late at night and feel like we have to respond. That is not conducive to restfulness or physical desire or, you know, anything that we really want to be experiencing as, as balanced human beings. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And it's not sustainable. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we have to create those boundaries, I think, which is what you had mentioned earlier, especially when if you're working from home, if you have your own business, if you are doing things, you know, where, like you said, there's no beginning, there's no end, you can go on forever doing whatever it is that you think, um, then you'll never have that time. And so I think also another concept that you and I learned is that 80, 20%, right, mm-hmm. is focusing your energy on the 20%. I think in, in really, I feel like it could be in any aspect of your life, right? Yeah. It can be with yeah. relationships, it can be, and just what we talked about with the children is that your, your 80%, which is the stuff that doesn't really help you get to the next level is, you know, doing like laundry or which is something we all have to do, but yeah. you know, just just thinking that that is what's creating that meaningful time with your children, as opposed to actually spending time with them, which is yeah. the real, the crux of what it is that you're trying to do. Right. And even in a relationship, you know, when a, a, instead of, you know, I don't know, I guess maybe, you know, putting away the dishes and cleaning the house and things like that, you know, instead maybe that time that you're spent doing all those things, you, you know, spend that time with your spouse mm-hmm. and that would create, that emotional intimacy, which then could lead to the physical intimacy. Right. 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 Yeah. And, you know, we've talked as well, um, you know, kind of in relationship to the 20, 2080 rule that we traditionally also do not ask enough for help. And that, again, that might be help from, you know, partners and children in the house. I need help with these tasks. If it's important to you to have clean laundry, mm-hmm. I need your help doing the laundry. Oh. Um and we have to be explicit because most of those things are not going to just come obvious, obviously to the people in the house, right? They're just like, oh, no, mom can do the laundry. <laughs> if we don't tell them that we're drowning and that no. they need the help, right, then we have less capacity for the fun stuff. Yes. But we have to ask for help. And, and probably most of us should hire more help, right? We should be willing to see that as an investment in ourself to pay someone else to do something, especially when there are tasks that we don't particularly enjoy doing that don't really need us to do. Yes. Yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. And I think, I think, you know, you stated something that, which I think is very important is often we don't ask for help. Right. And that's really where the problem lies is that if people don't know, like, Hey, mom doesn't really enjoy doing the laundry. Right? She's not really loving <laughs> I'm this. doing it for her hobby. Um, right. Uh, it doesn't because she loves you and you need clean clothes, but yeah. 
right? Or that, you know, (laughs) mom doesn't really enjoy putting away all the dishes and cleaning up after us. You know, how about we just get up and do it? Yeah. (laughs) You know, the other thing I like to think about and talk about with, with both clients and patients, right, is, you know, do we want also to perpetuate the idea that it's my job as mom or as part, you know, as the female partner to do all of those things? Or do we really want to, you know, create other humans who are capable of taking care of themselves? Like I have two sons um, and, you know, growing up in a two physician household and, and in a white household, right, they're automatically privileged in our society. I want them to grow up capable of doing their own laundry, of preparing meals, of taking responsibility for household chores, rather than growing up thinking that that's mom's job or that's women's job or, you know, any other sort of notion that they might sort of interpret, right? They need to be independent humans. And I think if we, you know, if we really consider that as much as we want to make other people happy, I think we also, most of us want that for our children, right? We want them to be able to get their own needs met and take care of themselves when they become adults. So if we reframe, you know, some of this for ourselves, we can see, oh, I'm not an evil mom because I'm asking them to help. I'm actually helping them to become a human who can function independently, right? As opposed to going off, you know, and moving, moving out of mom and dad's house, right? And not being able to make pasta or... Yeah, to know that clean socks have to, you know, you know, come from the dryer after they have gone through the washer after you have put them in there. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Working backwards. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's uh, that is so true, and I agree with that. I I have three boys, and um, yes, it is all about teaching them to be better human beings and self sufficient. And I agree with you a hundred percent. You know, so. In the next few minutes that we have, I'd love for you to share some pearls um, with our listeners and viewers that you think might help them in, you know, if they're experiencing burnout or in, um, you know, overwhelm or ways that perhaps they can manage. Yeah. Um, I think some of the things that I talk a lot about is really spending a bit of time connecting with what the emotions are that, especially if you've had a difficult day, what was I actually feeling and Mm -hmm. really naming them out loud. And when we can look back and start to name the emotions and start to connect them with some thoughts, Mm -hmm. it becomes easier in the moments that we experience those emotions to be able to see them in a different light. So instead of going through our day feeling angry and resentful or frustrated or overwhelmed, we might be able to pause within that emotion and say, gosh, you know, I'm, I'm feeling really angry right now. Yeah. What's going on. Right. Right. And naming the emotion in the moment and being able to get a little curious about it does a tremendous amount in terms of being able to sort of get unstuck, right? We will continue to feel, both positive and negative emotions all the time. But when we can really understand where some of these things are coming from, especially if there's situations where you recurrently feel frustrated or overwhelmed or resentful, there's probably a boundary issue that's there. But the way to identify it, right, is to notice the emotion, 
figure out why you're feeling that way. And then you might be able to see it. Mm, yeah, I love that, you know, and oftentimes I am, um, when I listen to podcasts and I hear our speakers speak about emotions and emotional intelligence, they, they often talk about getting very granular with their emotion, right? So mm -hmm. instead of saying I'm stressed, which can be very vague, it's getting down to, well, you know, I feel frustrated or I feel overwhelmed because of, you know, so many things going on at work that I have limited, yeah. um, you know, I can't fix all those things, whatever. So yeah. I think it's so important what you talk about is really understanding the thought that you're having and then realizing the feeling that it's eliciting mm -hmm. and then the action that comes from that. Right. And then, so then how do we change the thought, right? Because that's, it's kind of like when we do medicine, right? It's getting to the root cause of the problem. So unless we change the root cause, we're not going to be able to fix the problem. Right. And so I think oftentimes, um, what our problems are is that our thoughts and what we're thinking. And like you said, you know, maybe is it, are you feeling resentful? Are you feeling angry? Are you feeling upset? You know, but why, why are you having those feelings? You know, what's that, what's behind that so that you can change that thought right. to then change that feeling and action. Yeah. And it can also be helpful for people to say, ah, you know, the story that I'm telling myself is that they don't care about me because they are not helping automatically to clear the table after dinner right. like that. Mm -hmm. If we checked with the other humans, we probably wouldn't find anything of the sort. They just, you know, are used to finishing dinner and leaving the table. And it right. never occurred to them that we might need or want help with, you know, clearing up or cleaning dishes afterwards. So I can choose to keep the story in my head, but if I take a moment to really think about it, you know, and I can get curious and I might ask them, you know, do you, like, what do you think happens right to the dishes afterwards? Right. Or, you know, <laughs> would you help me? Um, it might get a little snarky, I guess, if we, if we ask them, what do you think, what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> um, but if we check in with that story, then we often have an opportunity to say, yeah, they're probably not giving it a second thought. This is just what they're used to. But I can ask them and I can start to really build this mindset in them that they clean up after themselves. Right. Right. Yeah. But it takes a little, you know, it takes a little thought on my side to figure out like what is going on there as opposed to just feeling like, well, they're so unhelpful. They're so ungrateful. They don't think I'm important, right? That's not a very helpful story to keep. And it's not going to fix itself without me sort of identifying that that's what's going on. Yeah, I love that. Um, and I also agree with you. I heard from a coach once, um, and she's a great coach. And so she said, and I love it, she says, is that we get to pick our thoughts. We get to choose our own thoughts, you know? And that's what's amazing because oftentimes thoughts, you know, gazillion thoughts will go through our head and we think we don't have any way to control that. that they just happen and, you know, then we get these feelings and actions, blah, blah. But when we stop and think that, wait a second, I can choose that thought or I can choose another thought and maybe that other thought serves me a little bit better and makes me feel not as bad <laughs> as if I choose this other one. Um, and, you know, it, it is actually more helpful and helpful in a relationship as well. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's fantastic. So tell our, uh, you know, listeners and viewers who are thinking, wow, I love Megan, you know, how can I work with her? Where can I find her? How can I get in touch with her? Um, it'd be great if you could let people know. Yeah. So I have a podcast as well, which is called Ending Physician Overwhelm. And you were gracious enough to be a guest on my podcast a while back. Um, So people can listen to me there. And I talk a lot about a lot of these different themes, you know, through the lens of our work as women physicians, but it touches on all areas of life. And um, I have a lot of listeners who are not in healthcare. um, So I think it broadly applies to people. Um, And then I have a website as well, which is www.healthierforgood.com. And on there, I've got links to the blog and the podcast where I talk about a lot of these issues, as well as a link to set up a free one-on-one call with me to decide if we're a good fit to work together. Awesome. Well, thank you. And and what is your Instagram handle? Oh, uh, it's Megan Mello MD. All right. Awesome. So there you have it, everyone. If you want to follow Dr. Mello, you know, now you have our Instagram handle and, you know, all the different ways to get in touch with her. Well, thank you so much for coming on and discussing burnout and ways that we can work and hopefully solve some of the issues that we have uh, concerning burnout and how we can take care of ourselves a little bit better. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me on Setup. It was a pleasure. Thank you. And well, I am done here and it's been real and really intimate. And remember, this is not meant to be any type of medical advice. So if you're having any issues, please speak with your healthcare provider. And until next time, this is the Muslim Sex Podcast. So thank you for listening to the podcast and make sure you leave us a review, share and like the podcast. And if you leave me a review, I'd love to shout you out on social media. So Be sure that you share it with all your friends and thanks for listening.